And welcome to the Dark Side of Soul podcast. This is Joe. And this is Sean. Now, both of us have our doors open because we're in the midst of a big thunderstorm here. And Gian, my daughter, is here complaining that that the thunderstorms are God's farts. And the lightning is God taking pictures of his poop. So, now we're starting this way. Then we're going to get all the hate mail because of my child. Thank you, Gian. You're wonderful. God's gross. (laughs) I like how she's smiling at that. Oh, you're getting hate mail because of me? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mission accomplished. It is appropriate because tonight we're going to talk about ghost stories. We're going to do some spooky, scary stories. Always popular, but now that, you know, this one's going to be released in, in near Halloween. So we're going to do some spooky stories tonight. Hmm. I'm going to do mostly ones from directly from folklore. Folk tales. I want to start with the spookiest story of all. Emart Traders. Detroit pizza is the scariest food. I have never in my life bought an entire pizza and threw it away after trying the first slice. Mm. I have never done that. It tastes okay to me. Yeah. For, For the people in the video. You can do the video if you're like watching if you're a Patreon. Join us on Patreon. This is this is it right here. That looks gross. Like what's that white stuff um, on there? You know That's... what? You thought maybe it was mayonnaise or like sour cream or something. I tasted it individually because someone requested I do that. It tasted like you ever had a toaster strudel? It tasted like the icing oh. on toaster strudel. But Gosh. the disgusting thing they did with this. More than that? Hidden underneath the cheese is sweet pickle relish all over. You can't pick that out. And they don't disclose that when you're ordering the pizza that they put sweet pickle relish on here. Made this totally inedible. I was disgusted. So what I did was I I was so upset. I went and (laughs) ordered more pizzas just to cleanse my palate. Ban Ulim, which is also a notoriously Korean, Korean style pizza. But okay, I will say this. They do the weird Korean pizza stuff. And I'd say weird is relative because I lived in Germany that had weird pizzas too. And, and, uh, uh, but, but they do it sparingly. They put the corn sparingly. I ordered, you know, I usually order the ghost pepperoni, which is ghost chili sauce pepperoni jalapenos and they'll throw a little smattering of of canned corn on it but not much not enough to make it really distracting it's forgivable uh that is such a spicy pizza that i cannot eat more than three slices of it it's so good though it's addictive um i got the regular pepperoni this time and they put slivered almonds on it so it's basically like pizza toppings and cake toppings kind of are in this venn diagram I think they took. The, I think I think they took the pie part of pizza pie a little bit too literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like dessert pie. It's dessert. Pizza's dessert. 
it's gross. It's gross. I had pizza tonight, and it was just cheese pizza. It's the way I with, like it. With tomato sauce. No. Where did you get that from? We can we can say names on the air, by the way. On the pizza Etang. Oh, oh, you went to Pizza Etang. Yeah. This pizza Etang does fine. Yeah. If you, you go to uh, Pizza... You ate there. The one near mine. I know. And Pizza School. Pizza mm. School. I like Pizza School. But if you order the cheese pizza at Pizza School, it's cheese plus corn and onions. But they don't oh, yeah, say no. that. You know, they don't say that's corn and onions. You just got to discover it yourself because it's a surprise. And it's gross. It's a gross surprise. But, 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 but Pizza School's pepperoni is still a standby. It is. It's basic pepperoni. It is greasy. It is full of trans fats. You can, I mean, you can feel the cholesterol going through your, your neck. <laughs> when you eat that anyway mm. okay ghost pepperoni we're talking about ghosts let me close my door mm. i gotta i had to turn off my phone oh, all right come on in come on in okay so you um jazz, yeah, bringing, Joe, you in got... her, jazz bringing in her chair and then we're okay. gonna close the door we're gonna start some ghost stories she's gonna join the mm. show mostly in the background but she's worried because uh, the cat is still gone update on cutie mm. Mm. We we have caught we we have three traps and and uh, we've caught basically every cat in the neighborhood except the one we're looking for. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's all, he's you all go lightning first? back there. Whoa. Yeah, we're good. All right, Let's here see. we go. Yeah. So yeah, so you got three. You said you got three three or so stories. I got six. Oh, you got six. Okay. I got uh, I have like five, but they're long because they're folk tales. So I won't I won't, probably won't share all them, but uh, they're long. No, mine are very short. OK. All right. Okay. Let's trade off. You go first. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, which one should I? I'm thinking which one should I start with? Um, don't start with the scariest one. Don't 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 start off. Don't go mad on the first one. OK. OK. Some of mine are really creepy. Um, they're, they're, a lot of them are like like Twilight Zoney. Uh, and these these are ones I'm, I'm getting from uh, these these are Korean stories. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll start with the most Korean one. Uh, the I call I call it the Soldier and the Young Mother. This is this took place during during the Korean War. During the Korean War, uh, a soldier was standing guard on a mountain in Gyeonggi-do province uh, when a well-dressed woman carrying a baby and a sling approached him. You know, Korea, Korea, we have this traditional sling we have on our backs, carry a child on the back. And uh, she goes up and says, hello, soldier. Soldier says, uh, yes, may I help you? Could you please grant me one request? State it. I need a task to be done. Oh, um, we're on duty right now, but but when I'm off duty, I can help you. Oh, thank you. When you get off duty, please come over to that tree over there. I'll be waiting for you. So when the soldier went off duty, uh, he went down to the tree. Uh, He admitted he was sort of excited because she was pretty. And the sun was setting and it was getting dark. And the mother was waiting and spoke to him. It's a difficult request, but I hope you can do it. She handed the soldier an envelope full of money. What would these days would be close to five million won or close to five thousand dollars today. 
She unwrapped the sling and revealed that the baby was stone cold dead. She said, please bury my baby with the, here with this money. It's sunny in the spot and I think I'll be able to come here often. I'm sorry I asked you to do this. All I lost all my family members in the, in the war. The soldier looked solemnly at her and agreed to help. Using his army shovel, he dug a grave for the baby under the tree. The baby's mother crouched a little away, crying quietly. The soldier didn't stop shoveling until well past dark. The mother said, thank you, this should be enough. They laid the baby and the envelope of cash in there and filled in the hole. The soldier paid his condolences to this mother and departed. Later that night, his conscience started fighting with itself. It seemed useless to bury that much money with a dead baby. He had no use for it. So the soldier's inner demons took control and he ventured back out to the tree to dig up the cash. There, though there was a full moon that night, it was covered in clouds, making it difficult to see. He didn't bring a light because he didn't want to get caught, because he was sneaking out of the barracks. When he got to the tree, he started digging and digging, and he could hear the tree creaking under the wind. It creaked in rhythm, like the pendulum on a clock. The clouds started giving way a bit, emitting some moonlight on his work. The soldier looked up while wiping the sweat off his brow. He caught the eyes of the mother. She was still weeping, but she was hanging from the tree. Years later, the soldier said that that was more terrifying than anything he'd ever witnessed during the war. Mm. And that's what I'm starting off with. <laughs> good, good. Okay, let everyone calm down and get get their senses back. All right. As, okay. All right. So yeah, I'm going to share uh, folk tales. So this is okay. ghost lore, directly from Korean tradition. So these are a bunch of tales that I've I've collected through like talking to. Mostly, mostly elderly people have collected, you know, most of the stories that I know, uh-huh. and and I've I've turned them, I've given them narratives, so um, they're not just because a lot of folk tales don't tend to have a narrative of their own. They're just they have points, and then the the teller gives them a narrative. Oh, so, so like their story beats. Right, right, and then they can change, right? Like, you know, they change regionally. Or they change uh, depending on uh, who tells the story and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So folk tales are, are, if anything, they're changeable. So, but I haven't changed any of the the main motifs of of the tales. I've just given them a narrative. So, okay. Okay. So this is the first one. So these are a little bit longer. Long ago. An aristocrat of Seoul decided it was time to choose a husband for his daughter. He was a picky man, however, and decided to put potential suitors through a trial to find the best choice to marry his daughter. He set up a large room, divided into smaller rooms, separated by walls, each one accessible 
through a single door. The aristocrat challenged any and all to come and pass through each room. By doing so, a man would be deemed appropriate and win the hand of his daughter. One stipulation stated that once a man began the trial, he could not quit and would face severe punishment for doing so. Many came, all of them boastful, about their social rank first, their wit and bravery second. However, none of them was able to make it very far through the challenge. Not long after entering the rooms of the trial, each man ran out in terror, deciding punishment was better than facing whatever had horrified them inside the rooms. Each man was so terrified after the experience, they dared not speak of it. And so a mystery grew, just what was inside those rooms. Weeks passed, and no one succeeded in the trial. Word spread throughout the city about the trial, prompting many to speculate what was frightening the would-be suitors. One day, two beggars, brothers in fact, had been hanging around Chungay Stream, wondering where to beg for their next meal. The eldest brother said, You know, if one of us could win the aristocrat's trial, we could marry into his family. Then we'd be rich, no more living on the street. The younger brother replied, I suppose doing the trial, no matter how scary it is, is no different than hanging around here, starving. And if we fail, so what? There's nothing to lose. So the two brothers went off to the place of the trial and presented themselves. Normally, commoners, especially beggars, would be turned away. But since so many had failed the trial, the aristocrat decided to allow the brothers to try. The eldest brother went in first. The younger brother waited outside, nervous and hopeful. After a few minutes, like all the others before him, the brother came charging back through the first door, wide-eyed and petrified. He fell into his little brother's arms, unable to speak. All he could do was slowly point to his brother's small dagger hidden under his belt. The younger brother gathered his courage, took a deep breath, and walked through the first door. The first room was empty. There was nothing at all but a door on the opposite wall. He walked through the room and passed through the other door. The second room had a series of contraptions, all moving about haphazardly. There was a pattern to their movement, though, and the younger brother passed them into the opposite door with little trouble. In the third room, there was no light save a sliver breaking the darkness from a small hole in the ceiling. Only the faintest of shapes could be made out in the darkness. And there, near the sliver of light, sat an unusual human-like shape. A low, weird cackle came from the shape as the brother slowly approached, his hand firmly on his hidden dagger. As he got closer, he could see what appeared to be a woman, her hair unkempt, her hands frantic with sewing and continually cackling. Her face was in shadow, 
but she didn't appear to look up. The brother asked who she was, but got no reply. He asked again, nothing. And as he was about to ask a third time, her slow, unsettling laughter stopped. Her hands stopped sewing. Her head slowly turned up towards the brother with quick, sharp movements. Looking up now, in the small shard of light, her facial features could just barely be discerned. She reached for a small chest next to her on the floor. She reached in and pulled something out. The brother squinted against the pitch to see what it was. The strange woman lifted the thing to her face, and the brother could now see that it was a dead baby. He was horrified as the woman took a large bite out of the little corpse. The pale, weak light revealed blood pouring from her lips and dripping from her chin. With this, the brother pulled his dagger from his belt and wove it fiercely, calling the woman a monster, demanding to know whether she was a human or an evil ghost. Disgusted and heartbroken for the baby, he lunged for her but was suddenly pulled backward. The woman laughed, but this time it wasn't a cackle, but rather an amused, charming chortle. Boards were pulled from windows, bringing daylight into the room. As the brother's eyes adjusted, he could see it was a big guard that had pulled him backward, and the strange, evil entity was in fact the aristocrat's daughter. She was made up to look like a ghost. What had appeared to be a dead baby was actually a large rice cake cooked into the shape of a little child. And the blood was honey, rendered a darker red in the pale sliver of light. And so, after weeks of failures from the most noble families of Seoul, a simple beggar passed the trial. His bravery and diligence proved him the most appropriate suitor. He married the aristocrat's daughter, they fell in love, and lived happily. And he, nor his brother, was ever hungry again. Wow. And that, mm. that's, that sounds like the, the pitch for season two of Squid Game. <laughs> haven't seen the first one yet. Um, but yeah, like that's... that's uh, I, People kind of, if they know me kind of at all or know like a lot of the weird tales that I share, I share on, uh, you know, through different mediums um, from Korean lore. I often tell stories that make heroes out of commoners and fools out of out of the elites. Those okay, are my favorite types. Those are my favorite types. I was scared you were going to say something are. about, I typically, typically tell tales of people eating babies. <laughs> well, I almost told one. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, but this is a classic one because it, it, it's just like the main function of this one is just entertainment, mm-hmm. you know. And like if you're sitting around in a dark room, kind of like the, the, you know, that's lit with a light that's kind of like the one told in the story. Um, yeah, it's perfect. This is great, like classic horror stories, um, but with a, with a Scooby Doo ending. <laughs> right, right so um 
And but but trying to prove what 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 so the other suitors did not do anything when they saw this. That's right. So they they took off. They ran back out. Right. They all failed and they ran back out. So when they saw this this what seemed to be an evil ghost eating a baby, they were afraid and they took off. And even the eldest brother was. It was the younger brother who who stood up. He his. He not only showed diligence in 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 not giving up, but he also showed his uh, desire for justice. He forgets about the whole point of why mm-hmm. he's there. He's just there to get justice for a dead what he thinks is a dead baby. So, the the purpose of that kind of tale is to exemplify the goodness that does exist in the common classes, because the aristocracy, the Angban, you know, we've talked in a lot of the episodes before. Uh, they often, you know, they look, they shun the young, the the young man, or they shun the the aristocracy, the lower classes. Mm-hmm. So, but there are tales like this that reverse that, and they show that the noble families aren't inherently good. Just because they're they have noble blood doesn't mean they're they're actually good people. It's the actual it's actual Confucianism, which we talked about. I think maybe it's the last episode where a king is kingly. A king can only be a true king if he's kingly. Yeah. Um, but a farmer could be kingly if he has the the abilities and the mindset and the heart of a, of what is considered to be a king. But he doesn't but, actually rule because he doesn't have the social position. I'm also thinking about how much rice was used up in making all these duck babies. Rice <laughs> cake babies. Yeah, they're rich. They didn't care. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so, but it, another thing that kind of dates stories like this is that they they take the position and they then they you know they essentially the lower class does essentially become upper class, but they marry into it, but they do it with honor, and that's the difference. They're not just born into it; they're worthy of it because of how they are, their personalities and their traits. So that's what separates them from from the the actual aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there you go. Like nobles. It's a, it's a right. tale to be told to nobles. Yeah, essentially that's right. Yeah. Right. And anyone who respects elites, <laughs> I think that they don't deserve inherent respect. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. Yeah. I got one. Um, I love this because I, I have my, my, my 10 year old daughter here. And mm-hmm. I'm telling her stories that are going to keep her up all night. Yay! You got your headphones on. She can't hear mine. She can't hear yours. So. Mine are scary. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mine were scary like a hundred years are, ago. Mine are, mine are more contemporary. How about that? Because yeah. the mm-hmm. first one I told was the oldest one's the oldest story. That that t- 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 that took the farthest time back. Okay. Mm. Korean War. Mm. All right. Yeah. We'll return to the podcast. After this message. Today's episode is sponsored by the new fiction podcast, City of Ghosts. We've gotten a chance to preview these episodes, and we think that you guys are really going to like them. It's a gritty, urban, supernatural, neo-noir mystery set in New York City with corrupt politicians, a dogged female detective, and a whole lot of ghosts. So subscribe now, wherever you get your podcasts. Can you hear me? It's 1999, New York City. 
Oh, shut up! Bridget Lundy Payne stars in a new supernatural neo-noir audio drama. The voices, they're back. City of Ghosts. I understand this is beyond your usual scope. So two deaths and an attempted third. Must mean we're on to something big. Men like them have fortresses built around them. What good does sticking your neck out do, especially in this city? Still, just be careful. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Do be well, Eleanor. So this one, uh, I, I'm not. I came up with my own titles for these because these weren't really titled. Um, uh, this is, I call this one after tennis practice. Middle school. Um, this is after practice. This is after school tennis practice. Um, these uh, boys, three boys, the they did finish their tennis practice after school, and it was getting dark. And uh, all three of them, they really had to use the bathroom really bad. I guess they were drinking a lot of water during practice. And they knew of an old bathroom no one went to near the tennis club. And they went in and discovered it was a a normal bathroom with stalls, a sink, and a mirror. And so they went in and they did did their business and, and they washed their hands. And the last boy to wash his hands ran out screaming. And his friends caught up with him. And trembling, the boy said, I, I just saw something white pass through the mirror. And the other two, they went back into the bathroom to investigate. They opened the door and peeked in inside and they checked the mirror. But there was no mirror. Only the outlining glue from where a mirror used to be. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, this this is a trope uh, I've I've found a lot in uh, uh, Korean ghost tales, and uh, you saw this with the last time we did this back in the summer. Mm-hmm. Is um, they have twists, but you got to figure out what the twist is. It's like, it's like some of them, yeah. Do you mm-hmm. understand it? And a, some mm-hmm. of these, a lot of these, I I went through a lot of these. I edited them out because I was like. It's too difficult for people to understand that one. Like, why mm-hmm. that one's scary, or some of them are just dumb. Okay. <laughs> or some of them are just outdated. Some of them are mm. are seriously outdated. Just like, oh, this this woman, I met, you know, she met this guy on the beach, and they they had a one night stand, and and then and then she left the next morning when he woke up, and he couldn't find her, and then she he went to the bathroom and saw lipstick. You got AIDS. I'm like <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, okay, that was a horror story from 1991. 1981. <laughs> I know. It's like that is <laughs> that's a little outdated, and that's told in the contemporary ghost tale site. And I was like, um, yeah, we got we got a ways to go on that one. That's pretty bad. That's mm. pretty bad. <laughs> so I had to. I believe me, I filtered through a lot of these tales. I'm trying to find right. Some of the ones that got me and the ones that made me was anything that, that made me laugh out loud ended up in my list. Okay. Right. Right. You want me to tell okay. another one or do you want to do another one? Yep. 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 All right. I'll go ahead. 
Oh, you'll go yeah, ahead. You have, you have more, yeah. Like I have a bunch, but like I said, mine are a bit longer because they're they're. You go long. They're tails. I'll eat so. pizza while you're while you're while you're doing that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll eat better pizza than Emart Traders Detroit pizza with pickle relish on it. Mmm. Yes. No thanks. I'm good. Thanks. Okay. I'm good. Okay. So here's another one for everyone. Long ago, an old man and a young woman, to each other, father-in-law and daughter-in-law, made their way over a rugged mountain pass, a donkey behind them, carrying their load. When they reached the summit of the pass, which was covered in thick trees and their thicker shadows, the man realized he had lost his straw shoes. He told his daughter-in-law to wait on the top of the pass while he retraced their steps down the mountain in, in search for his shoes. The woman was now alone, save the donkey, though the old thing tucked in for a nap instead of keeping the woman company. Dusk was settling in, and behind the teetering trees, the sunlight was quickly disappearing. Mountain winds picked up. It grew darker. The woman lit a lantern to comfort herself, hanging it from a hook attached to a bamboo pole from their load. The trees creaked as they swayed in a most unnerving dance, but soon a more sinister sound. A low, painful moan crawled out from the forest, raspy and inhuman. The woman grabbed her lantern to illuminate the woods. Nothing. Nothing was there but the silhouette of her sleeping donkey. Deeming herself childish and foolish, she sighed, giggled, and returned the lantern to its hook. As she did, her eyes barely adjusted to the pale, grotesque face before her, the eldritch source of the moan the lantern failed to illuminate just moments before. A greedy, needful ghost leered at her, burning its wicked face into the woman's mind, gaunt and cold and dead. How awful it must have been that this terrible face was the last thing she ever saw. When the father-in-law finally returned, the dawn was breaking, and his daughter-in-law was nowhere in sight. Worried, he gathered up the donkey and tried to look for her, but the old animal refused to move. He had no choice but to head off looking for his daughter-in-law on his own, but she was never found. From then on, whenever people tried to cross the pass, their donkeys would refuse to move when they approached the summit. Far more troubling, people would go missing, just like the daughter-in-law. It was eventually discovered that if a ritual was held on the pass to a deity, donkeys would carry on their way, and no one else disappeared. Okay. Now, it's the ghost donkey story. Yeah. Now, that that would have been a very significant story because that is something that Koreans would have believed to be absolutely true. Not like the previous story where it, it had a, a, a meaning. Yeah. This serves more like an origin story for 
a local deity that demanded to be uh, worshipped. Yeah, this wasn't a parable. No, no. This would have been something that uh, an actual belief that people would have had uh, at, at points in time in the past. Mm. They'd say there's a deity there on that pass who if you try to go go over the pass without giving some sort of offering you're you're risking your life so you know um, one thing you don't see much in uh young uh, uh old style korean dramas which i call the young bun and the restless yeah <laughs> right yeah is you don't see donkeys but donkeys figure a lot in Joseon era korea Absolutely. There are lots of uh, donkeys and oxen. And the reason they don't figure in is because if they're focusing on the Yangban, the Yangban never saw donkeys. They never even rode no, donkeys. The reason is we don't have any donkeys in Korea for, for film sets. Oh, okay. That could be too. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Um, but but it, I guess like in a historic sense, it, it probably makes a little bit sense. And besides, sense. donkeys... Donkeys have a reputation for not cooperating, and you know you got a film crew. They're like worse than kids. Yeah, right, right. It's <laughs> so, like the movie, the movie The Witch, uh, directed by Robert Eggers, in 2015, uh, 2016. Um, yeah, uh, th- when that movie came, there's a there's a black goat in that movie. Oh yeah, Black Philip and Robert Eggers did what he's like, you know. I've never had more trouble on set than working with that goddamn donkey, that goddamn goat. Yeah, but it wasn't and working it, on its hind legs the whole time. I saw what you posted in the dark side page. Right. That was <laughs> freaky. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, so so that that folktale, um, that, and I told this one specifically specifically because it would have specifically. St- because it 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 stems from an actual folk belief and not just a story that has uh, uh, an, an under like a it's an explanation for something an origin story right yeah origin so, story right like, and there are there are other points too there's other other versions of the story that focus a little bit more on the the missing shoes and actually this is a representation of sex infidelity of the father-in-law and the daughter-in-law having a, uh, an affair because mm. shoes and a lot of Korean folk tales represent female genitalia mm-hmm. and put and a man putting on a pair of shoes represents sex. So a man they're, they're, putting on shoes represents because he's inserting something in a shoe. Exactly. Just think about it. Joe. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> when, um, when a mommy and a daddy, I really got to explain love- it to my kid right here. You know, she doesn't get it. You know, well, you're wearing headphones. She can't hear me. She, she <laughs> can't hear what she can't hear talking about. So, yeah. So there are versions that focus a little bit more on the missing shoes. And, uh, and, and the unfortunate part is that given the era when this tale would have been established, um, you know, the, it was the woman that would, that got punished. She gets punished by the ghost and, and the, uh, the deity and the man really doesn't um his real punishment would be is that he misses her but that's you know that's hardly fair so but it's a representative representative of its time like the previous story as well like a, a, a father 
looking for a husband for his daughter. It's very of its time. Of course, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's dated in that way, but mm-hmm. we have to look at we have to look at these tales from the era when they were established. So, ah, uh, yeah, you got to. Well, you do if you yeah. it, because that helps you if you want to look at it as a folklorist. That's what you have to do. You can't ignore these these motifs that exist in these old stories because if you ignore them, it's like, well, that's not the way we think today. So I got to take this out. It's like, well, if you're going to adapt the story. Like I do with the in the Dark Side of Soul comic book, Weird Tales from Korean Lore. Go to darksideofsoul.com to get your copy now. Um, we um, when I update them, yeah, I remove things like that. But if you're telling the stories in this way, it's good, and especially if you're studying them, you have to know the way they were told at the time because it gives you a glimpse at the ideas uh, of the people of the past, especially the lower classes who are not fairly represented in in history but i wanted to cancel someone (laughs) and cancel me joe go for it okay now i feel morally superior okay (laughs) go your turn (laughs) (laughs) okay some might get a little gross (laughs) some might get a little gross i call this one welding class welding class oh boy all right um students were practicing arc welding at a technical school and when doing arc welding you know the iron is heated to over 3000 degrees celsius and so it's really described as a a really hellish heat the whole classroom is i'm sure it's pretty well ventilated want to talk about in korea no it's not um (laughs) it's very very hot room and so one of the students just couldn't stand the heat and and took off his protective eyewear and wiped his sweat off his forehead and at that moment he looked directly at the flame by accident before turning away in pain and then he noticed his vision after he saw that his vision all got blurry and he couldn't see that well and so um he just stopped and he got out he was excused from class you could say and so when he got home he got undressed and he went to the bathroom and he washed his hands and and then he lifted his eyelid to remove his contact lenses and then it got dark (laughs) this is one of those you have to figure out what happened Think mm-hmm. about it, and then I'll tell you what happened. Okay. Can you figure out what hey, happened, did... Sean? Well, I'm not going to spoil it for everyone. No, no, no. We'll give them time. <laughs> we'll give them time to figure it out. This is what we do. I'll give you like 30 seconds to figure it out. What's this? So, so I'll, 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 how about that? Don't I'll, tell I'll... them. You don't. You don't. Know oh no! Them. Come on! I got don't... you. Come on! No, no! Don't be no. the magician. Don't be no. the masked magician. No. Giving no. away What's the fun secrets. is giving away. It's fun giving away what happened. But I mean. Basically, you know, they're in welding class. He saw the flame. His vision got blurry. He took out his contacts, and then he couldn't see anymore. Okay, you can figure out what happened. <laughs> it's gross. It is gross. Because <laughs> when I used to wear contacts, and that was one of my big fears. One of my big I've, fears. I used to wear glasses. Uh but I got I got LASIK and um, yeah, me too. Fixed fixed that 
Jaeger but I never ever wore contacts. I would just wear, I just wear glasses. Laser, by the way, cheap laser, cheap and good laser care. <laughs> I got mine like when like what year to get mine? Uh, 20, 2012. It's been almost. It's been nine around, years. Around when I got mine, yeah, I got mine with a coupon. Did you get yours with a coupon? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Did not get it with a coupon. <laughs> and I actually I actually waited in line for my surgery. Have you ever waited in line for surgery? No, I did I had an like appointment. You stood in line to be next to go under Co the laser. <laughs> coupons waiting in line. Did you go to McDonald's to get your, but, get but your that's LASIK the thing surgery? though? It's like they, they they made it so routine, it's very hard for them to make mistakes because it's just routine. Next. Yeah. i honestly I like that type I like that type of surgery better when when it is just routine. They're just doing the same thing over and over again. It's hmm. factory, right? Right. Think okay. about it. Yeah, that's better. Next. You know if I open an, if if yeah. I become an optometrist and I open uh, an op an op an, an, a clinic, I'm going to call it next. Next, next optometry. Next. It's going mm -hmm. next. Next. <laughs> so anyway. Okay. So I'll do another one. Then you can do you do a couple more and then I'll do I'll do one more after this one. All right. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Long ago, there was a young couple who endured the great heartache of their child's death. With the help of the father's brother, they buried the child quickly and without ceremony, for too great was their grief. The child's ghost got lost on his way to the underworld and found passage back to Earth. Hoping to re-enter his body, the ghost boy found that he had already been buried. Sobbing, the pitiful young ghost found his uncle and approached him. He asked, Uncle, why have you all buried me so quickly? Why have you sent my body into the ground without a funeral? The uncle was so startled by the weeping apparition of his nephew, he broke down, and there was nothing anyone could do to give him solace. The, go the ghost boy, who was now upset with being buried so quickly and without a funeral, began playing mischief on his uncle. And so, <laughs> and so the uncle became deathly ill. The uncle's brother, the boy's father, asked a shaman, to come and cure the stricken man. She came and quickly discovered that the man's illness was from the ghost of the departed boy. The shaman prepared a ritual. She entered a room in the parents' home and locked all the doors and windows. She lay an empty jar in the middle of the room. Then she began her incantation. The ghost boy couldn't ignore the power of the shaman's spell and appeared in the room, and couldn't escape. As the shaman continued chanting, the ghost boy felt hot. The chanting continued, and the ghost felt hotter still. Soon the heat was so unbearable, the ghost boy frantically looked for relief. The empty jar was cool, and so the ghost leapt inside. The shaman quickly attached the lid and tied it down so the ghost boy could not escape. She took the jar and buried it along a causeway. The uncle recovered from his supernatural sickness, but the family continued to grieve the boy. 
A few years passed when a great rainfall soaked the land. The causeway swelled, its banks and stones overturned and broke in the storm. And so too did the jar. Now free, the ghost boy wandered the land. He was attracted by the ritual of a nearby funeral being held for a local man. He entered the funeral, drifted past the mourners, and entered the empty shell of the dead man. A wave of shock and fear ran through the procession as the man sat up in his coffin and walked away. The boy, now possessing the man's body, having essentially become its spirit, made his way home. His parents were baffled just as much as they were happy to hear their son's voice coming from the mouth of a stranger. Soon, they realized it was indeed their son. The family was reunited, and they lived happily, if not a little strangely. Oh my gosh. You know what? That's a great pitch for a Pixar short. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a good one, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the motif of that one is the idea of a restless ghost. And uh, the whole point of that is that you have to have a funeral. So that's the yeah, lesson. Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have a funeral. You have to have a funeral, even if even if it's a child. You have to have a funeral. So rituals are important. Yeah. Yeah. So this really, really would have represented, um, especially the Chosun, but also Buddha, like the Goryeo, the the Confucian, Neo Confucian, and Buddhist ideologies of the absolute necessity of of having a funeral. So one way to um, as you know, the the the, the Han family, uh, not the Han family, the Min, the Min family, who were buried on the grounds of where the American ambassador's house currently is. Mm-hmm. They were they were all beheaded by the Daewon Gun and um, buried on that land and not given funerals. That's mm-hmm. generally that that's the story anyway, uh, and it's. Um, it, that's a that's a representation of not showing them any respect not giving them a funeral so and then the idea is that they come back so there are the stories of headless ghosts wandering that that plot of land yep uh for the last you know 100 and 140 and, years and did just smash at the embassy residence right residence. ambassador right, right and headless ghosts wandering and bones being overturned in the rose garden and things like and you, that. You wonder why America takes so long to appoint an ambassador to South Korea. <laughs> Every administration, it seems like now at this point. Is there? Is there? Isn't one? Is there not one? Uh, last I checked, I don't think we have one. I still don't. The, I and I feel last... yeah. That last time I was like going, oh, Donald Trump has not neglected getting us an ambassador, but uh, no, 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 no. The the new guy's done the same thing. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not following it. Yeah, yeah. You think that would be priority? Get an ambassador to South yeah, Korea. Yeah, to, to this kind of hot spot, you know, mm. geopolitical hot spot. Yeah, uh, technically at war. Yeah, uh, uh, the United States is partially at fault <laughs> for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, what you got, Joe? I got, I got, uh, I do have two more, but I'll probably just share one more. But uh, you go ahead. Okay. You're, you're up. 
This is another one of those thinking ones. So you got to figure out what I'm talking about. Okay, so I'll listen. Listen carefully. I'll Go put on. my thinking toque on, eh? All right, thinking toque, man. Okay. All right. This is the three-time widower. A man was enjoying a bottle of wine with his new girlfriend. Ah, how can I be this happy? I've lost three of my wives. I don't deserve to be this happy. His date got up and rubbed his shoulders, comforting him as he cried. It's okay. You have a right to be happy. May I ask how they died? And between sobs, the man said, Well, first wife, she died in her sleep. My second wife also, she died in her sleep. The man wiped away his tears and continued. My third wife, she fell down the stairs and broke her neck. The man's date asked, was it because she was drunk? No, it's because she didn't drink. Jesus. I like that one. I like that was dark. <laughs> dark. It's, it's kind of sadistic. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that's pretty. That that's that's kind of like a story that would be in like uh, in. Like the the 80s movie Tales from the Dark Side or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or like, is that 1990? Anyway, yeah, Tales from the Dark Side, something like that. Not yeah. quite a Tales from the not 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 quite a Tales from the Crypt story. Not like an EC Comics or the or See, the TV show. That's what I said. It's this is com- kind of and tell, you got it right because Tales of the Dark Side is kind of like Twilight Zone meets Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, yeah. That's what these feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Tales from the Crypt, there's usually some sort of comeuppance. That's the theme in almost, you know, so many of those, <laughs> so many of those stories, like the the famous one where the and like the the comeuppance is is really exaggerated. Um, oh gosh! Then the next one I have is really fit, really fits in there. Well, there, there's a Tales from the Crypt story, a really famous one. It was drawn by Jack Davies, who is famous for his work on Mad Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, which which was published by EC Comics. Um, which you know published tales from the crypt vault of horror and the haunt of fear um but there's a story where there's there there are two baseball teams and one team um loses a game and one of their players gets killed because a player from the opposite team puts poison on his cleats so he slides into home base he rams his cleats into the into the um into the catcher's leg and, and poisons him and he dies oh and they find and they find out that the team finds out and um they kill him disembowel him huh? and use his entrails to make the baseball diamonds and they use his head as the ball and his leg as the bat oh my and then you see the catchers in the background he's wearing the guy's torso this is 1954 <laughs> Oh my! So, yeah, pre-code comics, right? That's wow. so. So, yeah, a bit extreme comeuppance, but you know, exaggerated comeuppance. Wow. So, anyway, okay. So this one's going to be a little bit different. Okay, this one. 
this is actually one of the famous this is one of my favorite stories okay and there great. is actually all of these that's why i chose these ones in, in particular because these are some of my favorite korean folk tales um the opposite well, this of one, the pizza i ate tonight yeah yeah this is a good pizza all my stories are my like my favorite pizzas all, all my stories are good i hope they're your favorite pizzas too okay long ago a man and woman married and began what they believed would be a long life together they wanted a family and talked often about all the happy moments they dreamed for themselves as farmers their lives would be simple and at times hard but they were committed to their love for one another the man had an old friend although they got along well enough for the most part the friend was often jealous and covetous of the man's belongings worse still the friend wanted the man's wife as his own but Whoa, out of that is breaking a few commandments right there <laughs> but out of respect for the man and his wife he kept this to himself one day the two friends went off to cut wood in the forest the friends suggested they go deeper into the woods than they had ever gone before believing there would be beautiful bountiful stands of tall trees the man agreed and off they went later that evening the friend came staggering into the village alone he was injured his clothes cut and torn the neighbors came out to attend to him and so did the man's wife worried she asked where her husband was the friend stood lowered his head and told her about going deeper into the forest and told her about the stands of tall trees and about the tiger who crept from the woods and carried away her husband it was all the neighbors could do to comfort her wailing grief and heartbreak time slowly went by the widow was alone and had to fend for herself carry out the hard duties of the farm draw water get food and care for the home harder still was doing all this while in mourning the friend came to her one day telling her it would be easier if he helped to raise the farm to hunt and care for the home easier yes but inappropriate to the social norms unless they were married she thought for some time and agreed the two were married and the friend moved into the house a few years passed the woman and the friend had a child and lived a simple life one rainy evening as they both rested in front of their home the friend drank makoli mm -hmm. and a bowl or two too many with blurry eyes he watched as the raindrops dripped from the house's eave the rainwater bubbled in the muddy ground the friend smiled then giggled then let out a hearty belly laugh the woman amused asked him what was so funny the rain he said the way it bubbles in the mud it's just like his blood <gasps> confused she asked whose blood your old husband he said with a drunken laugh just like his blood bubbling from his neck after i cut off his head 
the woman stood shocked. She realized she had been sold a lie. There was no tiger. This man, this charlatan of a friend, had no genuine concern or love for her. While the friend continued to laugh and burp to himself, she grabbed an axe, walked up behind him, and slammed the blade into the top of his head. He fell, dead. She hacked and hacked and hacked some more at his limp body until his head was off. His blood spilled on the ground and mixed with the bubbling rainwater in the mud. Ooh. There you go. So the the motifs of this are are uh, vengeance, and yeah, there's yeah, there's also a commentary in this against the social norm at the time against remarrying. There uh, are yeah 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 right. There are a lot of um, folk tales that talk about this. Um, that long ago in Korea, if somebody was widowed, they couldn't remarry. Not just long. I mean, as a hundred years ago, because I'm still slowly getting through that book about uh, women at the change of the Chosen oh, Dynasty to the Japanese right. Empire. Right, right. The, the imperial, the, imperial. The, legal, the legal history of women. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so remarrying was, was a no-no. It was technically against the law. And even... Going way back to the Shilla dynasty, there are stories of Wanhyo, the great monk Wanhyo, uh, who had a child, and a Buddhist monk who had a child, and he had a child with the with the the princess, with the king's daughter, mm-hmm. and she was widowed. And one day he he stumbled, he gets drunk, and he's well known to have he loved his booze. Um, it's one of the things that endeared him to the commoners of the time, according to the you know the the legends. Uh, and he wandered into the through the city of Kyungju, which was the capital of the of the kingdom, and he was singing a song. And the song had lyrics something like, "I am an axe handle. Uh, I am looking for an axe head that has lost its handle." Mm-hmm. And he was referring to a woman who lost her husband. So an axe head with a hole that's lost its handle. He was horny. So that's so, that's, a, that's Sheila Dynasty gangster rap. <laughs> basically. So okay. uh, so anyway, so word gets to the king and he's like, oh, you know, who's doing this? And they say it's it's Master Wanhyo, the great enlightened monk. Uh, according to stories, the first Buddhist monk to attain enlightenment in Korea. He didn't get it in China or India. He got it in Korea, according to the stories, right? Yeah. Um, but, but and he, he didn't he didn't have his head chopped off and semen fly out of it. Oh that no, that's Ichadong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so but anyway, so he ends up according to the, the the legend, he ends up marrying uh the the widowed princess mm-hmm. and the king allows it. Because she's not supposed to to remarry, it's against the norms. And there are other there are a lot of folk tales that have this particular motif. But this tale specifically talks about how th- that law made it difficult for people to live alone, especially if they ran a farm. Yeah, right. You can't you can, running a farm on your own. It's it's terrible. It would be awful 
to run a, a big farm on your own. You need you need to be married. Yeah. That's why people had such big families in the past. Yeah. You gave birth to your to your Gardening to your workers by yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, so that was one of the the main points of this particular tale. Um, but then it also has the motif of of um, of vengeance and murder. Vengeance. Vengeance and mix. They mixed into a cool story, cool dark story of murder and revenge. Mockley mm. and Mockley. <laughs> Mockley in the story. That's what the I farmers. The farmers. I, I, actually, I actually. This is so funny. I I bought my first bottle of Mockley since my one year sobriety experiment. I've yet to open it. Mm. Mm. Okay, go ahead. What do you got? All right, I'm calling. We'll this wrap one. up soon. I'm calling this. I got. I got a couple. Okay. Um, I'm calling this one the fortune teller. A man who's really pissed off at the world. You get those a lot in Korea. Man who's really pissed off at the world was walking home after drinking one night. It was his birthday, and he was alone. Um, he saw a fortune teller in a small tent. And decided to go in and have some fun. Uh, he was sarcastic to the fortune teller and didn't show respect. And the fortune teller and was professional, didn't look perplexed. And she was calm the whole time. Then she started divining his fortune. And she asked, you know, uh, could you could you tell me when you were born? And just to throw off the fortune teller, the man gave a birth date exactly five years before his real one. And the fortune teller did her thing, and then she stopped, turning deathly pale. Then she wiped the sweat on her forehead and redid everything just to make sure. She went through the whole thing again. The man's smugness gave way. Excuse me, are you okay? Yes, yes, no. No, not really. I've only seen this twice, and both times it came true. Tell me, what what did you find? He started to get a little concerned. It has shown the day you will die. Oh? When will that be? On your birthday, five years from now. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, yeah. this story requires math. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay, on your on your on your players, you know, hit that thirty second track back thing. <laughs> shuffle back. Right. Let's right. do it again. Get that again. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, you see, this is why I chose that one. That was a fun one. <laughs> mm, mm, right, right. Okay, uh, I will share another one. But but to, if you got a couple more, do those. It's just Maybe the last we'll... one. I got one more. I mean, that's my. It's my. Uh, it's not my grand finale. I don't know. I was trying to find something a little. That's your last one. I, I was trying to. Yeah, I was trying to get a more campfire story for my last one. I see. I see. Okay. All right. We'll just do one more then. And then we'll yeah, I mean, I mean, I got one. I got one more. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, if you want. You sure? Okay, I'll do mine. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So this is the last one. This one also is one of my favorite Korean folk tales. Um, 
and um, it represents something that still exists in Korea, an actual place that everyone can visit. And I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Okay. Okay. Long ago, the magistrate of Yangam in South Chola province met an unexpected demise. When he arrived in the underworld, the great king of the land of the dead, named Yamla, told the magistrate that it was not his time that he would be sent back. However, the great king explained that it wasn't as simple as that. First, the magistrate would have to pay alms to the dead in the underworld. The great king ordered the messenger of the dead, Jasung Saja, to escort the magistrate. The messenger showed the magistrate the underworld, telling him that there is a storehouse there for every living person. This storehouse is filled with the alms and items of charity a person gave in life. As long as those alms were given without expectation of payment in return, they awaited that person in the underworld. The messenger stopped in front of the magistrate's storehouse. Look inside, the messenger said. The magistrate opened his storehouse and found nothing but a bundle of straw. You have nothing with which to pay your alms, the messenger said. Now, open the storehouse next to yours. The magistrate did as instructed, opening the storehouse of a woman named Dukjin, also of Yangam. Her storehouse was filled to the ceiling with alms. The messenger said, You may borrow from Madame Dukjin's storehouse to give the alms the great king requires you to pay the dead. When you return to the land of the living, you must seek out Dukjin and repay her. The magistrate paid out the alms from Dukjin's storehouse, as was required, and returned to the living. Upon arrival, the magistrate didn't hesitate and quickly sought out Dukjin. He found her. She was poor, a simple commoner, working as a server in a riverside tavern in the poorest district in the county. The magistrate went to the tavern. He sat with Dukjin and explained what had happened. He insisted that she take 300 bags of rice, payment in return for the alms he borrowed from her underworld storehouse. She refused, politely saying that the matter was not her concern and that the alms she gave were never intended to be repaid. The magistrate was at a loss, unsure what to do and fearing the great king of the land of the dead, he ordered a bowl of makkali. Mm. He overheard other customers lamenting that there was no bridge crossing the river near the tavern. Dukjin spoke with these customers as she kindly served their drinks, saying she wished she could help them. The magistrate then heard others whispering that Dukjin was secretly saving money from her meager earnings to pay for a bridge. They praised her for her, kindle for her kindness and selflessness. The magistrate knew what to do. The next day, he ordered the building of a beautiful stone bridge across the river near the tavern. When he was told 
by Young Am's secretaries that the county couldn't afford to build such a bridge, especially not for such a poor area, he told them he would pay for the bridge himself. And so the stone bridge was built, and on top of paying for it in order to repay the borrowed alms, the magistrate ordered that the bridge be named Dokjin. Mm. That's the story. Mm. So that bridge exists. So, of course, it's not an old bridge, you know, but the stories are that there was a bridge called Dokjin in that area um, in Yangam. In, in Cholanamdo, uh, built a long time ago. And there was a tavern there. And then the story was built around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's a footbridge there now called Dukjin. So if mm-hmm. anyone's in, visiting Korea and you visit Cholanamdo, Cholanamdo, Cholanamdo mm-hmm. go to Yangam and uh, seek out Dukjin Bridge. And yeah, walk across it. And you know that there's actually mm-hmm. an old legend surrounding the building of a bridge in that area. Wow. So, yeah. So there are other versions of this as well. Like one version talks about Dukjin dying before she can build the bridge, she, before she can save enough money. So her ghost returns and tells the magistrate about the money that she has been saving, that she's been keep uh she keeps in a pot that she buries on uh, in the ground and then the magistrate goes and he collects the money and then there's not enough and then he pays for it and there are other versions as well mm-hmm. of it which is a really interesting thing because it's a very specific uh a tale mm-hmm. they, they're all about a specific stream and a bridge called Dokjin in Yangam which is unusual for folk tales to have different versions like that. So mm. what, what it means is that very likely over time, they've just changed different generations have come up with different versions. Okay. So go that visit. Sense. That makes yeah. it totally makes sense. Yeah. So go, go visit the Dukjin bridge in Yongam. Mm. All right. My last story. I'm calling it newlyweds dream. There was a newlywed couple who had been married for a week. While waiting, her husband had not come home from work. She noticed he had also forgotten his apartment key when he left. Uh, He didn't pick up the phone when she called or anything. She started growing worried, then angry, and decided to sit in a chair and wait for him to return home. After a long time, he hadn't returned, and she grew drowsy and drifted to sleep. She awoke from a vivid dream where her husband frantically said, even if I come home, do not open the door. She was startled by a knock on the door, then banging. She checked the screen intercom and saw her husband's face. But he had a weird, dull, yet surprised expression. She still refused to answer the door. By this time, the neighbors called the police because of all the noise. The banging stopped. Then she heard the police at the door. They called her and said she shouldn't come outside. 
But after a while, her curiosity got the best of her, and she opened the door. There she saw the police standing around a word written in blood, saying smart, next to her husband's severed head. Smart. Smart move, lady. Yeah. Mm. There you are. See, a lot of mine, they involve, <laughs> they involve something modern, and this one involved the, the intercom, the, the screen intercom. There's a there's a Korean horror movie that is uh, modern retellings of folk tales, and there's an old folk tale about a brother and a sister, who's the father doesn't factor into the tale in any in any way. Sometimes it's said that um, the mother's a widow, and sometimes it just isn't mentioned at all where the father is. Mm. Uh, but uh, the mother goes off, and she gets eaten by a tiger. Mm. different versions have different methods of yeah, telling it that's very modern yeah and then no this is from chosun and then uh or even yeah um no maybe the root of this is go is godio uh i'd have to check again um but um but yeah when they when she comes back the tiger goes back and he knocks on the door and he's he's like open the door it's your mom i'm like it doesn't sound like you and she's like oh i got a sore throat and then they're like, put my, your hands. My grandma, what big eyes you have. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So and then thing they, they they feel her hand through the door and they're like, they're like, no, your hand feels big and fuzzy. That's weird. And why, why is your hand huh. in a different color? And he puts flour on it to turn it to turn it a different color. So it looks like skin and things. And then he, the, you know, he breaks into the house, tries to eat the kids. They take off uh, and run away from him. And then depending on the version, there's different variations. They eventually get up into the sky. Uh, some of those like, there's like celestial intervention uh, and um, a rope drops from the sky and they climb up. And when the tiger falls and the rope breaks and he falls and dies. Oh, the, I know this story. And then the brother and the moon or the, the brother and the, and the, and the sister become the sun and the moon. <laughs> Okay, so I got I got my personal story about this. So way way back, two thousand seven, few of us were all, were some of the first group of people who did uh, EBSE on TV. This is a special English teaching version of EBS, like the the public channel. And so we all had our different children's shows, and I had I had a few children's shows that I was doing, like one called Spy Zone. Which is like spy kids and another one I dressed like as Einstein. Um, but my boss at the time at the school, he, he was able to get a job too. And, and and he got he got his own show where they were doing folk tales. And they were doing like a really badly modernized version of this folktale. And I think was he playing the tiger? No, no, he played God. That's what he did. He came. He came to the school one day and he said, "Hey, Joe, I, I got back. I, I was God this weekend. I played God. God as an astronaut." <laughs> and so, yeah, it's basically the story you said. And the, the the kids are climbing up the tree and they're begging God, begging him to 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 save them from the tiger. And they go up. And then the tiger falls down, and then I serious. I'll I'll try to track this down. See if this is still on YouTube. They get up like on the moon, and God, my friend, is in a in a spacesuit, 
and they start dancing the robot together. Okay, yeah, find that. It's funny the moon's already there because in the in the tale they they become so, the moon. Something like that. Okay, they do that, but they start dancing the robot. <laughs> That's funny. So the horror movie, the the Korean horror movie that retells a lot of these tales, uh, it's similar where. It's a brother and a sister. The mother goes out and the mother says, you know, don't answer the door for anyone. And they say, okay. And then someone comes and says, it's me. Let me in. And it uses a, the, the intercom and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay. And it's, it's, it's an updated version. Yeah. Uh, with the, the, no one's yeah. dancing the robot. No one dances the robot. So yeah. not nearly as cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. We'll return to the podcast after this message. Take a walk down the dark alleys of the forgotten 600 year history of bloody massacres. See the highways and morning ghosts. Come face to face with souls deep as dark as secrets. What lies under the concrete? Or who? The dark side of soul ghost walk. But now, if you dare. <laughs> all right anyway we're gonna wrap it up um anyway just reminding you um our, our music is done our opening and closing music is done by sonic sound you can find on bank camp under jeju digital well, we want to thank our top tier patrons um angel earl joel bonamini sharon Cullen, devin hivner min suck lee laura casey jane hargrave sarah ford alex radia Ryan Burkabal, Ashley Rigby, Tara Settle. Some of them, some of you guys are sitting there live with us. Live show. Live show, sitting with us. If you want to join, starting at just $5 a month, you get a lot of extra stuff. Um, we got, Sean's got a lot of dark tales from Korean lore that we don't even have on the show. It's a lot of extra supernatural folk tales. Um, and you get up higher tiers like we're, we're right after the show recording we're doing a we're doing a hangout we're gonna see if we may play some games or just uh tell r- ribald dro- jokes or something like that <laughs> yeah all right quite 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 that quite. yeah quite. all right sound like so- sound like son oi quite oi oh, quite so- quite I, I just do like I do like I do like Jamie Oliver, and I do not pronounce any consonants. <laughs> all right, we go go real here, all here. Okay, all right, right there. And um, don't you got anything? I'm right after I insulted. No, Jamie Oliver. No, of our no. British no. audience. Yes, our our fat tongue British audience. The British no, audience with fat tongues. Not all of them have had fat tongues. The ones with fat tongues. Okay. Is that it? Yeah, yeah that's good. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Gosh. Fat. Until next time, stay spooky. <laughs> good night. Good night.